0: 92.7 WFNZ Back and cruising on a Tuesday 5 o'clockers, hope you're doing well A lot of you weren't with us yesterday Because it was President's Day It's good to have you back I've noticed the uptick in the text line today Uh, A lot of folks back at work And I I know you hate that for the most part But we're glad you're with us 704-570-9610 Hit us up there Same number for the phone lines And the FanDuel text line Uh, FanDuel text line wide open here on a Tuesday On Twitter, at Kyle Bailey Club It's at Kyle Bailey, C-L-U-B a lot of Bryce Young takes coming in right now. We're going to get back to those. Coyote Man and a few others saying, "Hey, that Craig Carton take that you played was really stupid. He's not a, he's not a slot receiver. He's not Dave Meggett, but KB. He's also not an NFL caliber quarterback. So we'll talk about it. We will. Uh, we'll get back to that. We will. Uh, Brian says it's amazing what these armchair quarterbacks with a microphone can get away with saying. I'd rather listen to Skip Bayless talk Cowboys for four hours than hear what Egghead Carton has to say about Bryce Young." Listen, I, I I I told Smoke, I rolled my eyes out of the back of my head before the show. Smoke can attest to this when he when he sent it to me. Um, and then I played it anyway, because it's so stupid. It's such a stupid take. But, you know, there were some texters, one in particular, that says, hey, let's roast Bryce like we did on the Mac and Bo show this morning. So I was like, all right, if you really want to. Uh, we'll put that down for right now, though. Let's welcome in a man who has graced uh, these airwaves, this show, many times over the years. And he's not going anywhere, but... I mean, up until yesterday, I think he had to be the longest tenured sports columnist with a single paper uh, in the Southeast, certainly one of the longest tenured in the country. And I spent a lot of time with Gene Sapikoff when I was doing morning drive radio in Charleston, doing some play-by-play for the Citadel. And uh, we've maintained that relationship ever since then. And he announced yesterday that uh, he's not retiring. He's not going to the golf course or the pickleball court. He's still got got work in his future. It just won't be as the full-time sports columnist of the Charleston Post and Courier. Our good friend Gene Sapikoff is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Gene, congratulations, brother. I appreciate you joining us. What a career. And most of all, thank you for scheduling us before you make the Paul Feinbaum hit today. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Hey, I think uh, David Teal up in Virginia has been around uh, about as long as I have. Ah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah yeah he's he's just a great guy but thanks so much kyle for all you've done for me wherever you've been i mean i've really appreciated it and for this ridiculously unnecessary segment on your program today
0: (laughs) well you've earned it because i've always enjoyed talking palmetto state sports with you and whether it was here or there i've always enjoyed our conversations um yeah you know what you're right you and david teal has to be you two neck and neck so Why now? I mean, I I know the folks in in the Palmetto State enjoy reading your coverage. I I know you still enjoy what you do, but just time for a change? Why why the move?
1: Yeah, 38 great years at the Post and Curry in Charleston from January of 86 to a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't want to be like, uh, sue me if I play too long, like that great Steely Dan lyric, and then I spent all of January, Kyle, uh, doing a service project in Israel that really made me think I want to do more, uh, step up the charity work, and uh, the timing just seems right overall. Um, plus, this is just one of the weirdest uh, full circle things that I think any journalist could have. So Shane Beamer, a few weeks ago, names Joe D. Camillus, his special teams coach. Joe D. Camillus's dad, Tony, was my career development teacher in middle school and came up to me one day when I was struggling, not knowing what the heck to do in life, let alone on a school project, and said, how about your class project for this career development class B that you like sports, right? You like writing, right? Why don't you look into being a sports writer? And now his son's the special teams coach for the Gamecocks as of a couple weeks ago.
0: That's incredible. I had the opposite experience. Uh, I really <laughs> did. No, I, no, I had the opposite experience. I had a. I was in high school. Uh, there was a substitute teacher who we knew around town was, you know, kind of wanting to be a sports broadcaster, but you know, couldn't really get his footing, and he kind of became sort of a bitter guy. And I mentioned to him one day we were leaving class end of the day into in school, and. Folks are talking about, you know, what they want to be when they grow up, what kind of jobs are cool. And I said, you know, I love to play sports, but I don't think anybody's going to pay me to do it. And so maybe maybe sports broadcaster could be in my future then. And he looked at me and he said, nah, you're not going to make it. It's too hard. I'm not kidding. He, he looked at me as 17-year-old kid and said, nah, you're
1: not going to make it. It's too hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, so, that, that's a great story, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, so I,
0: I don't know. I can't say that, uh, you know, he fueled everything that I've done since then. But I think about that often when he looked at me I in my he, face and said, you're never going to do that. It's too hard.
1: So You're like Tom Brady. I mean, you're taking uh, names <laughs> and kicking butt, man.
0: Well, that's ridiculous, Gene, but you're a lovely man for saying it. I appreciate you. So, you know, here's one thing I want to talk to you about, because, you know, I I love living in South Carolina. I love the passion of the the South Carolina Clemson rivalry. And it's been really interesting for me, you know, having been gone from Charleston for a number of years now to watch the, the growth of not only the women's basketball program at South Carolina, but what Lamont Paris has done with the men's program this year. What do you think? about, you know, obviously Don Staley and their success is well established at this point, but the job that Lamont Paris has done so far this year and, um, you know, is Ohio State trying to poach him away? What's going on there?
1: I think he is a home run higher I thought he was last year you know you could just see how the players buy into what he's doing you could see that and I was hearing that from all the sources I talked to that was watching the Gamecock basketball practices this year and when he's getting um, transfer portal guys like B.J. Mack from Wofford and Stephen Clark from the Citadel people are thinking like ah, Shrug what he's doing and he's just building chemistry around Michi Johnson and the other veterans and I mean he just knew what he was doing um now the question clearly is going to be how long can they keep him you know um he's got a lot of big 10 roots there and lenardi has got him as a seven seed right now playing kansas and omaha i think uh they're gonna get uh a lot better line than that as they go through the stretch drive of the regular year here kyle
0: i i do too so i mean you you just touched on it there but i mean is it money because if i'm lamont paris yeah i'm from ohio but And uh, basically there are two big dogs in college athletics. Now you got a job in a program within one of them. The weather's better. And you got Don Staley across the office. If I'm Lamont Paris, unless I'm just desperate to get back to Ohio, I I'm, I'm staying in Columbia.
1: And don't think he and Don won't talk about exactly that because, you know, Don's had some opportunities too, and has been convinced to stay there. Um, but, at some point, if the money and the you know sustained fan interest is really different, and I'm not necessarily talking about Ohio State, uh, you, you kind of have to listen for the sake of uh, your grandkids, of, which he doesn't have yet. But you know that that gener- multi generational money is a thing. But right now, things couldn't be better for the Gamecock men's basketball team, and obviously, it's. Don Staley against the field again for women's basketball.
0: Gene Sapikoff, long time with the Charleston Post and Courier. Not anymore. He hung it up after 38 years. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So uh, let's talk football for a second with the Gamecocks. Hoping to get Shane back on the show here soon. I chatted with him a couple of weeks ago and uh, very busy in the recruiting cycle, trying to bring more talent into uh, Columbia. And again, we're going to try to catch up for the Gamecocks fans here in the Queen City, hopefully sometime soon. But this is a, a big, big year for him coming up. Uh he's lost his quarterback. You know, he's lost a staffer or two. I mean, how much pressure is there on Shane in your eyes and is he gonna be able to meet the challenge with the roster that he's got?
1: Well, here's the thing, Kyle. I think it could be another rugged year. I mean, there's no Spencer Rattler. There's Alabama, Oklahoma, L S U, Ole Miss, and Clemson on that schedule and uh some other good teams too. But I'm firmly believe that in recruiting and culture this program is gradually improving it just might not show in the record but in lenora sellers if that's the starting quarterback and in some really good offensive and defensive linemen and they're going to be young i think it looks pretty good for the future considering you know you just added texas and oklahoma uh one or the other on your schedule every year
0: it's tough it really is now let's go to the other side let's go to clemson for a second With the Alabama stuff going down, Nick Saban steps down, they end up hiring Kalen DeBoer, but I don't don't know if you ever expected Dabo to really be in the mix there. You can tell me, but I was really shocked at at maybe the disrespect from some people in Tuscaloosa, Uh, you know, the anybody but Dabo stuff and the way that he was treated during that brief process. Like, were you surprised by that at all?
1: Uh, well, a couple things. First of all, they loved Abbo in Alabama after Alabama beat them after the 2015 <laughs> season in the national championship game. He was so cute. He was one of our guys and, and he played Alabama in the national championship game. But as soon as he beat him after the 16 season and then beat him by 28 points in California after the 18 season, it wasn't so cute anymore. And I think they started to turn on him and that's still absolutely there. But here's here's the thing, and it's really weird. I, I'm going to just say I wasn't exactly plugged in every day while I'm walking around Israel and and working there for a month. But, Fair enough. Uh, one of my sources got hold of me one day when I was in Tel Aviv and said, "Here's what Alabama wanted from Dabo, in not talking to him, but to you know a close advisor. Let's say we want you to be really, really interested in this job, and we want you to you know enthusiastically apply." and uh, he wasn't willing to do it that way oh okay so they wanted him to bend the knee in a sense how about that yeah they did yeah they did and and that and that and that's what i kind of think happened now there's been some really good reporting by larry williams and others that kind of say he's directly contacted sometimes i think that's semantics i'm not saying larry's excellent reporting was wrong at all but i think alabama was interested is my point
0: well, why wouldn't you be? For for all the jokes and all the reasons that people might dislike Dabo Sweeney, he's a two-time national champion. He's one of the best coaches in America by absolutely any metric, so of course he should be. Um, basketball then. Clemson, uh, 7-7 in conference, 17-8 and overall. It's funny, we have a lot of Tigers here in Charlotte, as you know. And you know the way they started the season, I, I got pretty hyped for them. I was like, hey, it's another depth piece for the ACC. They look really good. The offense is finally matching the defense. And it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. But even back then, Clemson fans were telling me, "K.B., you, you came from South Carolina. You ought to know better." Let's see what Brad Brownell does over the next several weeks. Um, I like Brad. You like Brad. But what does he have to do th- these next couple of weeks to, you know, get them back to the tournament and feel good about coming back next year?
1: Kyle doesn't have to finish strong, but he has to finish decently. And I think he's going to be able to do it unless there's some sort of injury situation. This team is really solid, plays well together. Gerard was, you know, just such a great addition from Syracuse and really opens things up for everybody else, obviously. And, you know, let's face it, the ACC isn't exactly, you know, the beast that it that it sometimes is. So we'll see how it goes, but I think Clemson's a pretty solid Five, four or five or six seed in the tournament. I really do.
0: All right, a couple quick things, Gene, I'll let you go. How far away do you think we are from another round of conference realignment? Because it seems like the ACC and Florida State seems like they are you know, opening that door right now, at least cracking it open with uh, the possibility of negotiations and, and maybe letting Florida State out of this league. What are you thinking right now?
1: I think we're pretty close. And the whole thing about this, you know, they don't like to use the word, but SEC, Big Ten Alliance, I mean, it's just starting to move that way. And, um, yeah, I think pretty close, a year or two, really. I think there's going to be some significant movement. And then either then or soon after that, somewhat of a floodgate.
0: What what does floodgate look like in your mind? Because, I mean, this involves Clemson too, right?
1: A floodgate looks like two uh, – 232 team uh conferences very similar to the NFL Big 10 SEC North South Fox Um, Fox, ESPN, whatever you want to call it, that's what it looks like to fill those spots. And and there could be some shrinkage with some teams uh, somehow getting eliminated from the conferences they're in now that just aren't really all in for for football. And I'm not saying I like that, but that's what I think is going to happen.
0: Gene Sapikoff, you are the best. We are not done doing these radio hits, I assure you of that. But uh, thank you for the time. Congratulations again. Tell Paul Feinbaum I said hello. Thanks so much, Kyle. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Gene Sapikoff with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. Yeah, I think he's on Bomb in like 16 minutes. I think <laughs> he, snuck- hey, yeah, he snuck us in before. Yeah, Paul, we got you. We got Gene before you did. Uh, I love Paul. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Texters are, by the way. Uh- <laughs> People are reacting to my story of being in high school and my substitute teacher telling me that I'd never become a sportscaster. It's not that big a deal. I pro- This is not one of those stories where I'm like, I used it as fuel for the next 20 years of my life.
2: You're not like MJ.
0: No, I just remember <laughs> looking at the guys like, wow, what a, what a douche. Um, Thanks yeah, I mean, for catching yourself. Yeah, I know. But he really did. You know, we were talking. It was like a casual conversation. I-, I think I had baseball practice later that afternoon. Me and my best friend were talking. I was like, yeah, you know, maybe if, if I don't get signed to play for the Dodgers, uh, I'll just become a-, a sportscaster. And this guy, his name was Chuck substitute teaching that day. It was like, nah, you're never going to make it. And I was like, what? And he's like, nah, you got to be really good. It's really hard. You're never going to make it. I'd, I'd probably wouldn't even try that. And I was like, Oh, I mean, I feel like I probably could, but all right, whatever jerk. I, that just swear it's a true story. Uh, and texter writes in, Oh, Gene called me the Tom Brady. He called me Tom Brady of broadcasting after that, which is ridiculous. And blindside Chris says, you're like the anti Tom Brady. That blue chews got you overinflated. <laughs> what does it even mean? The blue chew jokes are innumerable on the text line. I can't keep up. Uh, someone said that's public education for you. Wow. Panthers PSL sucker. There you go. He says, wow, KB, that guy was a douche. He gets it. Um, a lot of these coming in. Big Cat Dan texting in from Jacksonville. KB, the Tom Brady of sportscasting. No, let's not let's not get carried away. That's that's absurd. Uh, Smokey, good over there? Yeah. All right. We got a lot of things to get to. I want to come back to Bryce Young. We'll hit you with the latest news. When we come back, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
2: Coming up Wednesday morning on the Mac and Bone Show, we spin the wheel of wide receivers. Which ones sound good and which one should we pass on? Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: All
0: right, uh, this KB as a quarterback sportscaster thing has taken off. It's grown, It's it's become a thing of its own. Uh, we had West Virginia Chuck just say, hey, KB, how about you being the Kirk Cousins of broadcasting? Just hear me out. Almost one of the best, but always with questionable supporting cast and injury prone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I am very questionable as your uh, as your uh,
0: Chuck. That's really good, man. That's really good. If, you, if you're lost, it's uh, because Gene Sapikoff came in and I told the story of a substitute teacher in high school telling me that you know, I'd never become a sportscaster because it was too hard. Uh, too difficult that I just couldn't do it, that I needed to find another dream. And Gene said, you're like the Tom Brady of broadcasting, which is a ridiculous comparison, but very kind of him to say uh, I'm getting the, people are calling me the Brock Purdy of podcasting several times or rather sports casting on the text line. I don't know if I should be offended by that or <laughs> if that's a compliment. I asked one guy, I was like, so does that mean you think I look like I'm 12 years old? Because I can assure you I don't. Uh, Shaw X says KB when you get inducted to the Sportscaster Hall of Fame You should invite that teacher to the ceremony And roast him like MJ did his high school coach LOL I would actually do that I, I don't think anybody's inducting me anywhere But if I ever had that opportunity I might do exactly that I might do exactly that Seven of, Oh, then last one Where's my bike called me the Gus Ferrat of sportscasting <laughs> Says you still get a Super Bowl, baby I mean, I, I do like to smash my I do like to smash my head into things so yeah, Gus for the Gus for of sports casting is absolutely perfect. Um, AJ did tell me because, you know, part of my relationship with Gene Sapikoff is that you know, I used to do morning drive radio in Charleston, South Carolina, did some play by play for the Citadel. And uh, AJ said, I'm glad you're here, KB, but it'd take a King's ransom to get me out of Chucktown if I ever landed there. Yeah. For some people, that's true for others though. Like me, I still love Charleston dearly, but my God, it's, it's not just difficult it's infuriating to get around that place anymore. Like the traffic is insane, especially during peak months. It's, it's just unbearable. You think Charlotte traffic can be bad? Go, go go sit in a place when it's 98 degrees in the middle of summer and everything's connected by bridges and a single fender bender will stop everything in its tracks. I love Charleston, but getting around Charleston, South Carolina is an absolute nightmare half the time anymore. It used to take me like 45 minutes to go seven miles to get home. Oh. If you know the West Ashley, James Island, Johns Island area, Maybank Highway, it is a nightmare to get back and forth over this. Great city. God, I love that place. But it is a nightmare to get around to Charleston, South Carolina. Anyway, 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up on the text line. Quick thoughts on what we discussed with with Gene there. The Florida State ACC negotiation is going to very likely, very possibly, at least, open the the doors for more, what could be, I guess, the final iteration of conference realignment, depending upon where you think we're going with this? Well, the ACC opened the door Friday afternoon for the next potential round of realignment. On page 20 of a 40-page filing that asks for a dismissal or a stay of Florida State's lawsuit against the conference in Florida's Leon County, the ACC's attorney signaled a path to a logical end point in a case being litigated in two different States. The next move after that endpoint is probably yet another reshuffling that will once again, alter our perception of which conferences hold how much power this, by the way, direct, by the way, directly from a new Andy Staples piece over at on three, um, the ACC indicated a willingness to negotiate with Florida state in that filing. It raised the possibility that there is a yet to be agreed upon dollar amount that would allow the Seminoles to leave the conference. It's, you know, Pretty doubtful anybody in the conference office would admit this publicly now, but the inclusion of that language in a public court filing feels like proof enough that the divorce is going to happen. Now it's just a matter of time, like when it's going to happen, who gets paid how much. That's what it is. Um,
2: and it feels like maybe right now they're trying to lessen the blow by getting it out in front of it, I guess. But we already know if Florida State leaves, then Clemson and North Carolina is not going to be far behind. Uh, But also it's one of those situations where the other conferences are probably like, yeah, we're kind of good right now. We we don't need you right at this moment because who's going to take the Florida state, for example. Well, that's, that's what I want to know. The Big 12. Well, because the big 12 would probably take them. Oh, the big 12 would definitely, yeah, they would definitely take them. I mean, that would just give them more of a footprint in Florida now to have UCF in there, but like, well, stop for a second. Let's, let's, let's
0: ask this question. Let's explore this question for a second. If you're Florida State, hell, if you're Clemson, I could extend this question to maybe North Carolina, Duke State, too, but let's just stop with Florida State, Clemson. Would you rather be in the Big 12 or the ACC? As currently constructed, which conference would you rather be in? Which conference has the brighter future from a football perspective moving forward? You got to think about that. Probably. If you have to think about that, the answer is the Big 12. I think.
2: Yeah, they probably would have more depth. Especially now that they're getting some of the uh, reminisces of the Pac 12, like uh, Utah is now going to be in the Big 12. Um, so,
0: okay.
2: Yeah. yeah Arizona yeah. just came off a really good. Now they lost her head coach, but,
0: you know. I, I mean, even with Texas, Oklahoma outgoing, okay, you look at the teams that will be in this conference moving forward. Baylor, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. I I, I mean, isn't that a better football culture overall in terms of depth? Top to bottom?
2: Yeah. I think maybe the ACC has more high end, but then again, the people that are threatening to leave are the two biggest ACC football schools in terms of most success over the last 15 years. Okay. I mean, you, you look at the Big 12 right now, you mentioned... Hecky, Kansas is having arguably the best run since 2008. Kansas, like, I don't know uh, if enough people really realize how good Kansas State's been under, over the last three to four years. Like, they, you know, many people don't talk about them, and since Bill Snyder's no longer the coach there, it's like people don't even realize who the coach is there. But I, I think you got those two. Iowa State kind of got back a little bit to what they were. Uh, Utah's Utah. BYU's usually pretty solid. Baylor's having a rough year, but you know if they let you know let go of uh, Dave Aranda, they got a lot of money to go after someone else. Yep. Um, TCU, I think they're going to be better than what they were last year. It's just year one was such a high point for them. They're getting Colorado, which we don't know what Colorado is going to be long term, but they're going to be interesting because Dion. So there's a lot of definite conference, and there's not that like hardly any schools where you could say, oh yeah, they suck.
0: Yeah, uh, Big Cat just said I had to think about it. Big 12. Uh, others saying the same thing. I, I think it's the better football conference. Now, 651 number, somebody texting in from Minnesota, uh, says conferences picking teams is more about TV numbers and regions than the best teams available. Yeah, at least it used to be. And, and I still think it's a factor, but it's hard to know if that's the biggest determining factor anymore, given the, ma- given the massive changes in the media landscape.
2: Oh, when you're a massive brand like Florida State or Clemson, even North Carolina, you don't have to worry about what market. You can be in 10 buck too.
0: Well, right. And it's funny you say that. South Carolina 803 number said, why is Florida State such a draw? Because they're a national brand. They're, you know, a multi-time
2: national champion. They're one of the first five to ten schools you think of when I say college football, go. When you say blue blood college football program,
0: it might not be everybody thinks Florida State, but a lot of people do. Yeah. And, And the thing is, it didn't really start to like, what the 70s late 70s 80s when, when Bowden showed up yep and the thing was the funny thing was it, it happened
2: them, quickly it took him about 15 years to finally win a national title too
0: it, it happened really quickly man 7045 four five seven ninety96 ten hit me up on the text line a lot of you are right now um you know 980 number says is John Swafford's legacy going to be destroying the ACC I don't see my my position on this is supposed to be I'm using quotes because I'm not a I'm not a Tobacco Road guy. Like, I'm not a Duke Carolina State guy. I'm not a Wake guy. Like, I I went to a Virginia school. So, like, if you went to an ACC school outside of North Carolina, the most common retort to that is, oh, yeah, Carolina Mafia. He only did what's good for Carolina. You know, so on and so forth. I'm going to be fair to John Swafford. I don't think that that is doing it justice. I think that he did the best that he could at the time to keep the conference together even if it wasn't a deal that was necessarily going to keep the conference together for the long, like, you know what I mean? Like, I I do think John Swafford cared about keeping the ACC together and did everything he could to keep it that way. Do I think the deal that he struck with the ESPN was the best one for the conference? No, no, not when other conferences can re up and renegotiate multiple times before you can.
2: I'll put it to you like this. And this makes no sense, but it makes all the sense. He's the Australia of commissioners in sports. You know how the saying, "Well, Australia is both a country and a continent." So if you say, "Oh, well, Australia's a country," Oh, no, is a continent. Well, you're both right. Well, yeah, he saved the ACC, but uh, and indirectly, he pro- arguably killed the ACC. Yeah, uh, it, it's
0: it's interesting. I, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten Haddock, who is a big Florida State fan, not the fish, a man named Haddock. Uh, he says Florida State. Ain't going to no Big 12. It's going to be the Big 10 or the SEC. Watch what I say. They ain't leaving the ACC for the Big 12 conference. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I know that's where they want to be. Clearly, that'd be their preference. That'd be any team's preference leaving their current conference looking for greener pastures. You want to get to one of the Big 2 conferences now. I mean, that's what we have. We have power two conferences. We have SEC and Big 10. So I think that's where they'd prefer. I'm not, I, I don't think the SEC wants Florida State. No, no. You mean, you really want to overcrowd the state of Florida that much? I don't know if they. I don't think they want them.
2: Heck, I don't even think the Big Ten would
0: want them. I I wonder about that. Why don't you think the Big Ten would
2: want them? They would probably want Miami more. Why? I think partially because of the market. Not saying that's the end all be all, but they also, I think, are still going to be the conference now. Well, not always, but they're always going to be the conference that would put, uh, you know, education and have that matter somewhat. You know, Miami is a private institution. I think that plays a factor and plus it's very highly regarded. Yeah, I think
0: there's it. a perception among some to your point that because it's the it's in Miami that it's like a party school or it's a le- like Miami's a prestigious academic <laughs> university.
2: It <laughs> really is. Miami and, and what happened in the 80s specifically.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the perceptions I get, but Miami's a very very strong academic university. Mm-hmm. Great law school, all that. So I, I think the Big Ten would absolutely and understandably have a great deal of interest in Miami. I think the Big Ten, if the Big Ten wants to get into Florida, I'd take them both. If you could get them. Yeah. If I'm the Big Ten, I want Florida State and Miami. I want into the state of Florida to go head to head with Florida. So that that, that'd be, that would be my approach. Who's the Big Ten commissioner? Tony Petiti. That, yes. that would be my approach if I were him. But they don't pay me to make those decisions. Uh, of course the Florida state fan says Miami's big trash. Uh, here we go. A texter says big Ten would take Florida state and Miami. I, I agree with that. Uh, and, and, and then again, the rest of these schools, I have no idea, man. And this is not imminent. I don't think it's happening tomorrow or next week or next month,
2: but it might be one of those summer things that drops. Cause this I, is, yes. Yeah.
0: I, I think this could be another year where we're sitting at, uh, you know, what we go to the Westover, right? Weston, the West. Why did I say the West over? What's wrong with me? i come Oh, yes, my old neighborhood. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the Weston this fall, this summer, rather. And and we're sitting there and news breaks that you know, Florida State's out and they're off to the Big Ten with Miami.
2: At least you won't have to talk to uh, Justin Fuente this time.
0: That's true. And that uh, at the same time, let's say Carolina and UVA are off to the SEC or Carolina and Clemson are off. To- what happens there? Where does Clemson end up? Because that one's just as fascinating.
2: I think at least one of the big Ten or SEC would take them. I, well, I, I think, would think it would be more big Ten though. I would think so
0: too. yeah South Carolina's not a big state. It's a small state' as and a they matter don't fact. Rock,
2: and they don't want to rock the boat with the SEC with South Carolina specifically,
0: and they're already in different conferences, so it's not like you're splitting anybody up. I think the easy move there is for Clemson to go to the big 12 or Big Ten rather if all this starts to fall apart. And the question is like how many teams like does the Big Ten and the SEC? Do they want to be the AFC and NFC of this new professionalized college football world? How big do they want to get? What did Gene say earlier? Two thirty-two team conferences? Is that
2: what he said? I think 30 to 40, yeah. I don't know how you do that. Especially with the Big 12 still being a factor. Not like as big of a factor, but it seems like the Big 12 is going to be around for a while longer.
0: I'm just fascinated by all this. And then, like, what happens to Duke? This is the maddening part, by the way, of the conference realignment conversation. But like, where does Duke go? What happens to them?
2: You, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they turn into maybe the Big East. Kind of do what UConn did for a little bit, American oh Conference God. for football and then Big East for basketball and every other sport. There's no way. You think? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm spitballing here.
0: I know. I, I just can't. I can't imagine Duke slumming it with those. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I'm not casting judgment. Yeah, take that, Charlotte. No, 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 no. I'm not casting judgment on the. But it's, Duke's a hoity-toity private school. You think they're slumming it with the AAC? Come on now. I'm spitballing here, man. Duke fans.
2: What do, it, time, 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 time,
0: time. what do you think of smokes surmising that Duke could end up split between the, the big East and the AAC? Please tell me on the Or, or Maybe line.
2: the ACC and American conferences could merge. <sighs> What's left over of the ACC and but, the American. I, I if I'm, if I'm one of those
0: schools that's coveted at least a little bit, I think I'd almost rather be in the big 12.
2: Yeah. But do you think the big 12 is going to go after the Boston colleges of the world?
0: Well, now the, now the Bob's there. Now that Bill O'Brien's running the show for Boston College Football, why not? Why not? 704 number says, KB, wouldn't it make sense for UNC and UVA to the Big Ten for academics? It would, yes, absolutely. But,
2: of course, the SEC wants to get in these two
0: the states. The SEC, right, we've talked about this. The SEC, there there are two old South states that the SEC has no flag planted in. It's North Carolina and Virginia. They happen to be two of the most populated states in the country. The two, literally one ranked one in two best states to do business in America. Both of these conferences want into Virginia and North Carolina. Both of them do. And they're going to get in at some point, I think, based on where, the way this is all going. 704 57096 10. 256 number says, As an SEC fan, I would love Clemson to come compete in the SEC. Uh, Mr. Sizest says, The conferences are acting like they're part of the portal. Time to switch conferences. Joey and Huntersville, mega conferences, transfer portal, one and done's. NIL have ruined college sports. It was my go-to, must-follow, and watch my entire life. I'm 51, and I absolutely hate college sports now. NIL. <laughs> well, you and Charles Barkley. You see Charles. You see Charles on uh, Saturday. Told Adam Silver we we've ruined college sports with this NIL bleep. He said that.
2: So. I mean, they they were doing it. It's just it was under the table. Yeah. And frowned upon.
0: Yeah. Blue Devil Deacon says, doesn't matter where Duke goes, I won't be watching. The ACC demise ends my support for college athletics. Oh, I, I think that moving forward, people are going to have to talk themselves into supporting a an unrecognizable version of college sports.
2: That's going to be the tough part for me, and I think a lot of people. It's just a fact like, oh, yeah, because at least with some of these moves, sometimes, like, I mean, I've grown up with Virginia Tech being ACC, but I didn't grow up in the Big East era. I don't know how it was for you, but at least it wasn't like a massive in terms of Oh, we're all this stuff is changing. It was just an increment sometimes where some of the teams will change conferences and it wasn't ever just one big boom. There it is. It's, this is all just boom, 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 boom. Completely new sport.
0: I just, I I think it's look, there are a lot of folks that are going to jump ship and I I don't blame them. I I think that you got a lot of folks in charge of college athletics, mostly TV executives who don't care about rivalries. They don't, they care about what makes the money and they're, they are ruining it. But I think they hear you saying that, and they still don't care. Because it's generally those kind of people that ascend to those types of positions. And they're ruining college athletics as we know it. But good luck stopping them. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. That was very morbid. I didn't, I, I didn't mean for it to sound that sad. Just they're going to do what they're going to do. And they've been doing it for about 20 years now. What you got over there?
2: Well, I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about a couple years ago with uh, North Wilkesboro coming back. How that's essentially what NASCAR did to that. Yeah. All right. So uh, here's something, you know, we're just a couple of weeks away from sports betting being legal here in the state of North Kakalaki. I don't know if you've seen any of those commercials. There have been hardly any of them. Uh, But apparently the American sports betting industry continues to expand as it has reached a high watermark, posting a record $10.92 billion in revenue for 2023, according to the American Gaming Association's annual report. How much uh, 10.92 billion in revenue that is uh 44.5 percent year over year improvement from 2022
0: have you seen well of course you have like the the have you seen the kenny smith and gronk commercials
2: oh yeah that that, that was uh, let's go north carolina
0: gronk when's the last time you were in north carolina
2: 2013 at least because that was the last time they played oh, hang on hang on hang on what was the preseason uh maybe like 2018 that was the last preseason game the patriots played against carolina in charlotte i believe mm-hmm. so no no actually i forgot about it i forgot he played for the bucks uh? so uh 2021 that was the game robbie anderson decided to give a first down signal when carolina was down like 36 yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
2: so yeah it's actually not been as long but uh but by the way, the best part about that, my brother, uh, who's not a sports fan, asked me, told me jokingly during the Super Bowl, it's like, "Yeah, I can't wait for the sports betting bill to launch, so I don't have to see any of these ads anymore." And I'm like,
0: did you explained explain it to him."
2: Yeah, both me and my mom, of all people, just say, "Hey, buddy, it. like, it's here to stay. He's not it, going it, anywhere. It's, it's here to stay." <laughs> all right, what else you got over there? Uh, all right. Well, um, the Hornets have had an open roster spot ever since letting go of Kyle Lowry. Well, that has now been officially uh solved because the hornets have signed duke legend marquise bolden to a 10-day contract
0: all right well i mean look everything else they're doing lately is working out so maybe this will too
2: maybe that just shows that they are actually going after a duke guy
0: possibly (laughs) possibly we'll come back and wrap up the show sports radio 92.7 wfnz
2: Wednesday morning on the Mac and Bone Show. There's a lot of stuff online. Linking Justin Fields to Atlanta. Would that scare us, Panther fans? Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: Rachel texts in and she says, uh, oh, by the way, Russian death metal hockey has the same survival rate as parachuteless base jumping. I like that. I, I did sneak in some. I made up a sport. Russian death metal. They might play it somewhere. I don't know. You can gamble on Quidditch, I'm sure. Is that a thing? Maybe. I think
2: it is. Yeah.
0: A, a Catawba, two Kings, Casino. I don't, I don't want it false advertise. They probably don't offer lines on you Quidditch. but Be careful of that. <laughs> but uh, also got a text on, on a more serious note from a, a texter 704 number we were having a conversation about realignment and uh, Andy Staples reporting that oh hey by the way there was was a there was a clause a line in the 40 page filing from the ACC that wanted to dismiss the Florida State's lawsuit that said yeah at some point we might negotiate with them a buyout or something and it seems to open the door for the ACC even if not right now to allow Florida state to leave. And when that happens, it feels like the the floodgates open a 704 number bemoaning like many, the loss of college sports as we know it. He says, I'm 27 and grew up a diehard Duke basketball fan because my dad grew up rooting for them. I grew up being fascinated with the Duke Carolina rivalry and ACC basketball in general. If I can't show my kids one day, the awesomeness that is Duke Carolina rivalry and the college basketball I fell in love with because some rich executives want to ruin it all. Well, that really sucks. I well said, I can't add much to that. I, I kind of feel the same way. I really i that's the thing is this is not a what about the children type of statement here. you know the what about the children? It's not that, but we do become sports fans as kid as kids, right? I mean, the vast majority of us become sports fans because we fall in love with it as kids. Yeah, yeah, I, so like i I do I wonder what my own son or daughter's attraction to the sports will be the sports. Like what What it's look, things change. I get that, but they're never going to have the experience that we had of rolling out the TVs in class, you know, the first day of the ACC tournament, <sighs> yeah. a lot of kids don't get that, but I, I don't think they're ever going to get that experience.
2: I got pissed off when we only could watch the ACC tournament during lunch. That's one of the new things were going downhill.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I wonder, you know, what are those things that are grabbing young sports fans the way that things grabbed us? But there, there was also so much less noise then, so many fewer distractions than what's out there right now. And that's what these sports have to compete with. Everybody but the NFL is fighting tooth and nail for real estate, for attention, for eyeballs, for time. Everybody but the NFL is fighting for it. You know, they, they just got to open the doors and everybody comes running in. All right, we got to catch you up on what you've missed. It's time for the Rewind. number one, Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte sports director, sports anchor on what should be the wish list for the Hornets post all-star break.
3: Yeah, I think it starts with getting LaMelo ball back and healthy and hoping that he can kind of finish this 20 to 30 game stretch or as much of it as possible with kind of the new look and new uh, team really that they've brought in here to see how that works. You hope for Mark Williams too, but I think LaMelo is closer based on what we saw from some of his warm-up action as the, the first half of the season or first two-thirds came to a close before the All-Star break. So that's the first thing I want to see and see if they can continue this momentum. They, they clearly became a, a new team. I wouldn't even say a, with a new identity. I think they didn't, they didn't have one before, and now they kind of do. Uh, and see how that kind of crosses over to the last third of the season here. Let's see if they can keep that going through the break. They hadn't been any hotter than they just were before the break, so see if they can pick that back up Um, and you know, they'll have to do it with, with a West coast trip immediately, which doesn't always work in this Hornet team's favor. That's usually where a Hornet season goes to die. So it, it already has once this year, so I hope it couldn't happen again. Uh, but you know, it'll be a key, you know, handful of games out
0: there later in the show josh sims former fox sports or fox 46 reporter turned nascar reporter and host and sideline reporter and everything else for fox sports he was in the pits for daytona this weekend and here's josh sims saying william byron yesterday's winner is now one of the biggest threats to win in the cup series on a week-to-week basis
3: i mean he said it yesterday he, this is a kid that came up and learned how to race off high racing you know on a computer you know and, and he's one of the top drivers at nascar now and and that's in a stable with two other past champions and Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. And uh, it's funny, I think our Bob pocker asked him about it yesterday, you know, talking about that team and having two other champions. He's like, yeah, I feel like the left out guy sometimes. No, you shouldn't, William. You won six races last year. You won the Daytona 500 this year. I mean, you're just as much uh, the forefront of that team, as those other two are as well.
0: Later in the show, and finally, legendary sports columnist with the Charlotte, or rather, Charleston Post and Courier. Here's Gene Sapikoff on the potential floodgates opening if Florida State leaves the ACC in the near future.
1: A floodgate looks like two uh, two thirty-two team uh, conferences, very similar to the NFL, Big Ten, SEC, North South, Fox. Um, at Fox, ESPN, whatever you want to call it, that, that's what it looks like to fill those spots. And, and there could be some shrinkage with some teams uh, somehow getting eliminated from the conferences they're in now that just aren't really all in for, for football. And I'm not saying I like that, but that's what I think is going to happen.
0: That's the rewind to look back into the show each and every day as we wrap things up as a reminder to get us wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, just download and uh, subscribe. We'd certainly appreciate it. Smoke, what you got over there? Let's tip our caps.
2: I'm my cap to William Byron. Way to bring the Daytona 500 home to Charlotte, North Carolina. First time since 2018 that a North Carolina born driver has won the great American race.
0: I like that. I'll, t- I'll tip my cap to the college football playoff committee for adapting the five plus seven Format for the new college football playoff. I like it. I'm excited about it. We're back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Until then, for Smoke Ludwig, I'm Kyle Bailey. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
3: You're going to be dead in 100 years anyway. Live dangerously.